We are embarking on a new sermon series. If you want to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, we're going to be tracing the journey of the nation of Israel from uh, slavery in Egypt to the promised land. And uh, we're going to talk about obstacles that they faced along the way. And the first set of obstacles they face begins with Moses and his relationship with God and God calling him to lead his people. And uh, Moses comes up with some excuses. We'll see those in a moment, but I've been collecting excuses that have kind of popped up as ones that I, I grabbed my attention over the last few weeks. Just excuses we make in everyday life in different areas of our lives. The first one is, this first excuse I came across is, I'd love to help you out, but I'm pretty sure I'll have a headache on that day. I can't go to the gym. My cat needs me to sit on the couch with him. I didn't procrastinate. I just decided to do it at a more convenient time. This is a twist on an old one. My dog ate my motivation. I would have been on time, but I got lost in the path of least resistance. My favorite exercise is a cross between a lunge and a crunch. I call it lunch. This is my absolute favorite one. I'd agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. <laughs> now, in our journey of life, there are obstacles we face. And we're going to look at that first kind of obstacle that many of us face, maybe even going into a new year. It's the excuses we give, this category of obstacles. And I don't know where you are in your journey with God, your relationship and walk with him and serving him. Maybe in 2023, every time God nudged you to take a step forward in your relationship with him, maybe read his word more, pray more, serve more. Maybe there was something God was calling you to love him more, to love your brothers and sisters in Christ in the body more, love your neighbor, love your enemy more. And maybe you came up with some excuses in 2023. Maybe he's already been nudging you towards some things and whispering and calling you to some things in your life in 2024, and you're already seeing those excuses bubble up to the surface. You see, the things we see as excuses can paralyze us from moving forward in our spiritual journey. But those same things are the things God wants to use. It's the very reason why he has called us. So today we're gonna to see this. My excuses for not being ready to move forward for God are his reasons for why I am ready to move forward. God. The very same things that we bring to God and say, I can't do that because of this, because of this, because of this, are excuses. He, he turns that around. In a conversation we're going to see between God as he speaks to Moses from the burning bush and Moses, Moses has a bunch of, uh, of excuses that bubble up to the surface and God kind of in a spiritual judo leverages that back and says, no, Moses, that's the very reason I'm calling you to step out. Your excuse is the reason I think you're ready to take this next step. I don't know what God has been nudging you to do. Maybe you've been ignoring it. Maybe some of you are already uncomfortable because you know exactly what it is. Maybe God's gonna show you how he wants you to step forward during this message or in the next few weeks of your journey and you're gonna be aware of these excuses that we can give. I know that most of us don't want to just stay stuck where we are in life or in our journey with God. We want to go from here to there. And we picture it, maybe in 2024, you picture your journey to look like this linear line from here to there. It's a direct shot. Very few of you at the end of 2024 will describe the journey that way. It's probably going to look more twisted and with some turns and loops like this journey by the time you look back. 
Because the reason that is, is there are some things that we can't control. Things that happen just as a part of living in this world with its brokenness and nature and living with other fallen human beings who have, make mistakes and, and sin and hurt us. And then our own failures and sins and mistakes and the way we hurt others. And, and even God is using good, bad, and ugly to shape us in the journey. But if we're going to go from here to there, we have to understand there will be obstacles and as the nation of Israel, as we'll see in a moment, moves from Egypt to the promised land, there are many obstacles. As a matter of fact, in that journey, you might know that it took 40 years to go from Egypt to the promised land. If they had gone directly in kind of that straight line from here of Egypt to there of the promised land, even a conservative estimate says it would have taken them 22 and a half days. Now, some of the reason they didn't get there was because of their own sin, but there were things God was doing, even in their failure, for their good and his glory and the good of others. But one of the major things we'll throw back at God are our excuses. Benjamin Franklin said, when you're good at making excuses, you seldom are good at anything else. The leadership consultant, Jim Rohn, says, if you really wanna do something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. Now, in Exodus 3, if you're there in your Bibles, maybe you have a hard copy, a digital copy on your mobile device. In Exodus chapter 3, I want to set the setting here. This is a time that is 1,500 years before Jesus was born. The nation of Israel has been living in Egypt for 400 years. When they first arrived, it was a blessing. They were given the best land. They were cared for by Pharaoh, but over the centuries, Things had changed, and now they had become the slaves in Egypt. And God's people were under pressure, and they were oppressed, and they're crying out to God as you read the first two chapters of Exodus. They're crying out to God, who they feel like has forgotten them because it's been 400 years of silence from God. God hears, and he has in mind, an individual named Moses that we meet here in chapter 3 of Exodus. You might remember that the Egyptians were threatened that the Israelites were growing so fast they felt like if they had too many males born, they would overthrow the Egyptian empire. And so uh, they were at a certain point had been killing baby boys born to the Israelites to keep them under slavery and not to let an army develop within them. And Moses had been taken by his mother and put in a basket left in the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter came along, which is what I think his mother had hoped for, She'd been watching. Pharaoh's daughter takes the baby, wants to keep it for her own, but she takes it to its very mother, Moses to his mother as a baby, and his mother gets to raise him for three or four years and nurture him in the, the truth of God and God's people. But then the bulk of his years, he's raised as a prince of Egypt in Pharaoh's household, like he's the son of Pharaoh, and he has privilege and status for 40 years. Very little connection back to his, his people as, as we understand it. But at age 40, he sees an Egyptian slave master hurting a slave, an Israelite slave, and he reaches out and kills that slave master. And he has to go on the run. He becomes a fugitive because now the Egyptians are wanting him for killing an Egyptian. He doesn't have a safe haven even in the people of Israel who are slaves there, and this can just bring more trouble to them if he stays with them. So he flees at age 40, and he spends 40 years with the nomadic people in the land of Midian as a shepherd. 
And at age 80, and they lived a little longer than that day, but at this point even Moses is living to a, an old age. God extends his life. Moses is 80 years old in Exodus 3. He's at the base of Mount Sinai. At that point, there's not much significance to that mountain at all other than sheep would come along at its base where some water would run off and shepherds would take him there, and that's what Moses is doing. He's not even tending to his own sheep. It's his father-in-law, Jethro's sheep. And we come to this point where he's at the base of Mount Sinai, and he notices, kind of like our little uh, tumbleweed bushes, he notices a bush on fire, and it's not being consumed, which one of those kind of bushes, when they're dried out, would be gone like that, right? This fire keeps going, so it catches his interest. He goes over to it, and we read in Exodus 3 and verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. So this begins this conversation between God from this burning bush and Moses, this 80-year-old shepherd who has a past, a broken and and sinful past, and he says, here I am. God says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. He knew that in his unholiness, this could be a very dangerous thing. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way of the Egyptians, the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. And so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is a lot for Moses to take in. God has a plan for him that's very different. Here he is at 80 years old, and he's trying to just take care of some sheep, and God says, I've got a plan for you, so God is calling him to take a step forward. For some of you, it could be a step forward that God has for you in 2024, reading God's word, praying more, getting into a small group, going on a short-term mission trip, reaching out to your neighbor and sharing your faith, coming alongside a coworker, going through a painful health battle, and Maybe it's uh, serving in the parking lot here at Calvary or serving in our care ministry or ministering to children or students. Maybe God is nudging you to join a small, I don't know what it is, but God is gonna be speaking to you, nudging you, whispering to you to move forward in your walk with him and in your service for him. And I guess, I just guess that most of us will come up with some of the same kind of excuses Moses has when God calls him to lead his people. Look at verse 11 of Exodus 3. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? That's our, our first excuse. Who am I to do this, to be there, to give this, to serve in that way? Who am I? The first excuse Moses made is the same excuse that's often our first excuse. I'm not important enough. I'm not important enough. 
He really doesn't have any credibility or, or importance among the Egyptians nor among the Israelites. And he's saying, I'm a shepherd. I've been gone 40 years. I don't even know the, the contemporary culture and what's going on there in Egypt or with the Israelites. I'm not important enough to go and tell Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. Look at God's response in verse 12. And God said, I will be with you and this will be the sign to you that is that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God on this mountain. A few months, a few weeks from now, you're gonna be here with perhaps it might have been as many as two million people, and this will be the confirmation when you're here that I am indeed God and I am using you. But he says, I am with you, I will be with you. Those are some of the final words Jesus said to his disciples when he sent them out to make disciples of the nations. He said, now I'll be with you to the end of the age. So Moses and our excuse is often, I'm not important enough. But God says, that's the very reason I'm gonna use you, Moses. It's not who you are, but who I am. You might say, I'm not important enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not qualified enough. The reality is God says, this isn't about who you are. This is about who I am. Who I am. When I got to be a teenager and even into my early adult years, I really wrestled with self-esteem. I really struggled to understand who I was in Christ. And so... It was hard for me to envision God using me in any way, and I still struggle, struggle with that. I'm, believe it or not, I'm basically an introvert, and so I'm not, I feel uncomfortable in a number of settings, and, and often I feel like I'm not important enough to do what God is asking me to do. Maybe some of you feel that same way. But God says that's the very reason, Sean, that's the very reason that he wants to use us. It's because it's not about us, it's about him. There is a second excuse then. Moses, okay, okay, you think, it, okay, it's about you. It's not about me. This, this excuse doesn't work. So then he comes up with excuse number two. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? What am I gonna say? Now his excuse, which becomes our excuse, I'm not knowledgeable enough. I'm not knowledgeable enough. A lady came up to me after the nine o'clock uh, who, who mentioned to me that um, she said that she had thought of volunteering to work at VBS. They had a need with fifth grade boys. And, and she said, I decided, boy, they could ask me some tough Bible questions, so I haven't done that. And when you were talking about being not knowledgeable enough, that really caught me. Sometimes we think, well, I haven't gone to seminary. I don't have all the training. I don't understand cross-culture. I couldn't go on a short-term missions trip. I wouldn't know how to lead a small group. I wouldn't know how to care for someone in a time of need. I don't know how to help people who, who just need food and help in Jesus' name. I, I'm uncomfortable. I, I'm not knowledgeable enough. That's a, a genuine, consistent excuse that we as the followers of Christ come up with when God is nudging us forward in our walk with him. God has an answer. God said to Moses, you say you don't know who I am, you don't have the knowledge or education you need? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. He answers his specific question. He says, you tell him I am. 
sent you to them. By the way, did you notice he doesn't say, who do I say to the Egyptians sent me to them? He says to my own Israelite brothers and sisters, how do, who do I say this to? Because he'd been raised in Pharaoh's household, he'd been with the Midianites, so while he has an understanding of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's heard about many other gods. And he says, in whose name am I gonna go? And God says, tell him, I am has sent you. Then God goes on in the next few verses there, after verse 15, into, further into uh, chapter three there, and tells Moses, look, look, I understand you want to know who I am, but let me also give you some information, give you some knowledge to help you that you're going to go, Pharaoh's going to be a jerk and say no, I'm going to put pressure on him, and finally he's going to say, please go, get out, and we're going to give you all the silver and gold we have. And then you'll meet me here at Mount Sinai. You'll worship here, like I said. But his main concern is that Moses understand the name of God. And in Hebrew, when he says, tell him, I am sent you, that combination I am that's used in the Hebrew is the idea of the one who was and is and is to come. The one who transcends time and space, who's outside of all the restrictions we have as finite beings, the infinite, self-sufficient, self-supporting, self-existing God of the universe, the one who was and is and is to come, has sent me to you. That's interesting. When Jesus walked on earth, was ministering, one of the things that riled up the religious leaders is he claimed to be that I am. On nine occasions, he used the same kind of language we see here in Exodus 3 in Hebrew. He used, and in Greek it's ego eimi, which is an emphatic, I am. And in, even in Greek, when it's, it's in this form, it means the one who was and is and is to come, who stands outside of time and space. And so Jesus would even link himself with this great statement of I am, linking himself to the God of the Exodus. That he was God. Eventually it would take his life. But you remember, he would say in John 6, I am the bread of life. John 8, I am the light of the world. John 10, I am the good shepherd. I am the door. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 15, I am the vine. John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. All of those statements were a way in which he equated himself with the God of the Exodus that sent Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And God hears Moses' excuse, I'm not knowledgeable enough. But again, God turns that and says, your lack of knowledge works for me. God's reason that we're ready to move forward and we think we don't have the knowledge is God says, it's not what you know, but who you know. It's not what you know, but who you know. Sometimes we think we have to just get more Bible information, more theology, we just get all this stuff together, or we've gotta get our act together. Even in our initial relationship with God, world religions and some flawed forms of Christianity believe that it's all about the what. How much good stuff can I stack up that'll outweigh my bad stuff? How much money can I give to a Christmas offering so that God is appeased and I can have a relationship with him and he'll forgive me? Give me eternity with him. How much can I go to church? How many people can I serve? How good can I be? I gotta be a little better than my neighbor, right? We make it all about the what. 
And God says that our relationship with him is not based on any what. It's based on who. And that's Jesus, the one who loves us and died for us, was buried and was raised for us. And when we put our faith in Jesus, it's not by works, Paul said. It's by grace through faith, God's love. We rest our eternal destiny and all we are in Jesus that we're forgiven and given new life and a walk with him. Maybe you've been resting in the what. You've been trying to be good enough, moral enough, Christian enough, religious enough to have a relationship with God. It will never measure up. Not for me, not for you, not for anybody. It's not the what that is important. It's the who, Jesus. And if you say, wait a minute, I've been resting everything in the what. Transfer what you're trusting in from all that you've been trying to do to what Jesus has already done and who he is. You can do that right where you sit, just admitting to God you fall short of who he is, you're a sinner, and place your faith in Jesus as your savior. If we can help you, Pastor Steve Day is gonna be in the lobby, in the center of the lobby there. I'll be slipping over the new, uh, the uh, welcome reception for new folks over there, but he'll be there to minister to you. We have our care team down front. If you're online or you're in the room, you can, if you say, I need to talk to someone about this, I need to understand what you're talking about, that it's, it's about Jesus and not about what I do, then you can just text the name Jesus to the number 58568. Just put Jesus as the message and send it to 58568. We'll follow up with you and make sure you understand what it means to know Jesus. God says, it's not what you know, but who you know. That's even true for us, not just in our salvation, but then as we walk with him. Sometimes we think a a, a good Christian just knows a lot of stuff. You may know some things, but it's still about him and knowing him. It's not about what you know, but who you know. So Moses says, okay, (laughs) I guess, Lord, you think I've got the right level of importance and you're gonna give me the education I need. Uh, So he's gotta come up with another excuse. So in verse one of chapter four, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and, I, and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Uh, he, he wants to know, what, what if I, I, they just say, yeah, right, Moses. You've been gone 40 years, you killed an Egyptian to help one of us, and now you're gonna say, God sent you here to talk to Pharaoh and lead us out? Yeah, right. He says, what am I gonna do? See, his excuse is often what our next excuse is. I'm not credible enough. I don't have enough spiritual uh, wins and baggage to carry with me forward. And I don't have the, I'm not a great spiritual giant like other people. I'm not credible enough. You know, I mentioned that I struggle over the years with just self-esteem issues and why would God use somebody like me? And and, uh, I always have a, when I look in the mirror, I have a very different view of myself than most people probably have of me. And uh, Christmas Eve, I was sitting right down here before one of our six services, about two, three minutes before the service started, and some kids from back in here came down and uh, came up to me, and they had this, this little, uh, I guess they call them squishmallows, squishmallow. They had this, and it had a tag on it, and I said, oh, you got a new present, and they said, they kept saying, for you, and, and they were probably six or eight years old, and um, I didn't recognize them, didn't get their names, it came so quick and left so quick, but I saw them go back in the third row here and they left it with me. I was trying to give it back to them, you know, it's yours. And they said, no, no, it's for you. And, uh, 
then it, when we shook hands, I went to their mom and I said, oh, you want this? And they said, no. She said, no, no, it's not, it's, it's not just for you. When we were in a store and they were looking around, <laughs> they immediately looked at this and said, it's Pastor Sean. Now, this is Hermie, and you might recognize Hermie because he was a part of those couple of uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> Remember Hermie, the dentist who pulled the tooth? He was a wannabe dentist and the elf, and he pulled the tooth out of the abominable snowman's mouth, you know, that whole thing. And it was just so funny. I, I found it very funny. You know, this is, they said me. And so she said they insisted we buy it and give it to you. They weren't saying, this is for you. I guess they were saying to me, this is you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Now, they're very sweet and very kind, but you know, sometimes this really is how I view myself. I don't know about some of you, but you might think, I'm not credible enough. It's like I'm a squishmallow elf that couldn't make dental school, <laughs> named Hermie. I don't know what it is, how, what, what excuse you would have that you're not credible enough. Maybe it's your background. I mean, Moses could say, look, I killed a guy. I was raised in Pharaoh's household. How are the Israelites gonna have any relationship to me? We say we're not credible enough. But look what the Lord says in verse two of Exodus four. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Moses replied, a staff. Some versions will just say a stick. He re he's got his shepherd's stick. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. I would too. <laughs> then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took a hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of the fa their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And then he goes on in the next few verses and he says, if they don't believe that I am with you using you when you throw down the stick and it becomes a snake, you pick it up, it becomes a stick again. He said, Moses, uh, take your hand, put it inside your cloak. And so Moses puts his hand in his cloak. He says, now pull it out. And when Moses pulls it out, it's covered with leprosy. That was the curse of death. Uh, you think he ran from the stake, he panicked seeing his hand with leprosy. And God says, put it back in your coat, pull it back out, and it was completely whole again. And he says, do that if they don't believe the snake and the stick. Then he says, if they don't believe that, you go down to the Nile, their source of water, which everybody needs water to survive. You pull the water out in a pitcher and pour that pitcher on dry ground, it'll become blood. They'll believe you by then that I am with you and on your side, that you have credibility. You see, we say I'm not credible enough, but God's reason is it's not what you can do for me, but what I can do through you. Moses, it's not about what you can do for me, but what I'm gonna do through you. For some of you might say, I don't know what I can do for God. God knows what he can do through you. Because it's not about what you can do for him. It's about what you allow him to do through you. Moses, he's kind of running out of excuses. I like his, his tone changes a little bit here now. In verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. He knows that he's, he's kind of arguing with God here with these excuses of why he shouldn't go lead the people from Egypt to the promised land. So he says, pardon your servant, Lord. Uh, I'm sorry, but I've got one more excuse. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. I have been a stammerer for 80 years. My tongue has been tongue-tied for 80 years. I can barely put sentences together. And while I've been talking to you, nothing's changed. You can hear it as I'm speaking to you. 
Excuse number four we come up with, the same one Moses came up with, I'm not gifted enough. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not equipped with what I need to step forward where God's calling me to step forward. And so we come up with this excuse, we're not gonna move forward in our spiritual journey because I don't have the gifting that's required to do what you're calling me to do. The Lord said to him in verses 11 and 12, the Lord said to him, now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. In the Hebrew, this literally reads, I will be with and in your mouth. I'll be moving through you. You don't have to have the gift of being an order, of being a great speech giver, speaker. See, our excuse is I'm not gifted enough. I don't have the tools to work with kids. I don't have the patience to be a part of a ministry with people who are hurting and their lives are messy. I don't have whatever the excuse is. I'm not gifted enough. God's reason, though, is it's not what you can give me, but what I can give you. Moses, you give me that tongue that's tied. I'll unleash it. I'll make it clear. I'll use you. It's not what you can give me, Moses, but what I can give you. Some of us make excuses because we don't think we have the right stuff it takes to do whatever God is calling us to do. God will be with you and in you as you take that step. Moses is kind of running out of excuses, and so do we. So Moses is scrambling, okay, now what am I gonna say? I've, got, I've, I've told him, I'm not important enough, I'm not knowledgeable enough, I'm not credible enough, I'm not gifted enough, what else is left to give an excuse here? <laughs> to go lead the people from Egypt to the promised land? But Moses said, verse 13, pardon your servant, Lord. He's still doing that. <laughs> one more? And I like this one, he really doesn't have any excuse. Please send someone else. <laughs> have you been there? Oh, I heard they have needs of somebody to work with middle schoolers. Please send someone else. Oh, I, I think I should take that next step and get involved in that small group, or I, I should join that prayer team, or I, I, I know God's nudging me to this. And we, when we run out of excuses, our final excuse is please send someone else. And what does it mean? We're saying to God, in our excuse, I'm not convinced enough. That's what Moses is saying. I hear what you're saying. It's all about you, who you are, how you can use me, what you will give me, your credibility. I hear what you're saying, Lord, but I'm not convinced. And some of you have been making excuses about your walk with God, your serving God in, in such stubbornness over so long that maybe you've been just repeating over and over again for years or decades, send someone else. Use someone else. Well, we find out that Moses' words, you know, pardon your servant, Lord, these last two responses, but him saying send someone else, God isn't happy with that. Verse 14 of Exodus 4, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, You'd think he's about to blast Moses off the planet. Actually, he tells him how disappointed he is, but he also shows him grace. He says, okay, I'm gonna use someone else, but I'm still gonna use you too. He says, what about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? Means he's a priest. I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you. I'm sure Moses said, he is? 40 years? 
Yeah, he's on his way. I've already alerted him. And he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak, and I will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take the staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. I hear you. You say something to someone else? That's your excuse? Look at God's reason why we should take that step forward. That's why he says, take the stick and go. God's reason to our excuse of I'm not convinced enough, it's not what I can do with others, but what I will do with you. I can do something through Aaron. I could have chosen Aaron and not used you, but Moses, I wanna use you. This is about my relationship with you. This is about your relationship and journey with me. Okay, I can use Aaron. I will be using other people. But that doesn't take away the reality that Moses I want to walk with you. I want you to serve me. I want to use you. And when you get to that point where you're saying, Some, send someone else, remember this, God is going to use other people too. But he wants you to flourish and find joy and satisfaction in your relationship with him. And if you stubbornly say, send someone else, and you refuse to go, your life is gonna be miserable. If God's calling you to read his word more or share your faith with non-believers and you're saying no and you're throwing all these excuses, you're gonna be robbed of the joy that God wants you to have. Others are gonna experience it and you're gonna miss out on it. He says, okay, I can use Aaron, but I'm still gonna use you. You're still going to have to take a step of faith, drop all the excuses, and do what I've called you to do. Maybe you've been saying, I'm not important enough. I'm not knowledgeable enough. I'm not credible enough. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not convinced enough, like Moses. God says, it's not who you are, but who I am. It's not what you know, but who you know. It's not what you could do for me, but what I can do through you. God says, it's not about what you can give me, but what I can give you. God says, it's not about who I could use, it's about I'm gonna use you. Some of you have missed out on the joy of flourishing in your walk with God because you just keep throwing the excuses at God. And the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now about that step you need to take in 2024, those steps you need to take, how you need to lean in in your relationship with him and serving him. 15 plus years ago, I was pastoring a church in Charleston, West Virginia. The church had been growing. I'd been there for over a decade. Things were thriving. We moved to a new campus. We even designed a pulpit that worked with me. It was like a baseball glove to a baseball player. It was my pulpit. It was shaped and everything the way I wanted it. And, and it was great. And things were going well. And came here to speak. And the Lord did something in my heart about what was going on here at Calvary. And and the elders here kind of reached out and said, would you consider, you know, seriously thinking about coming here as pastor? I'm thinking, no, things are going well here, and, and there's no reason to leave. And, and um, I was looking at it going, me, Sean Thornton, in Southern California? I'm from northern Indiana, a factory worker's kid. I've been pastoring in West Virginia. My clothier is Costco. I mean, me in Southern California? And the Lord just took all those excuses away eventually. And I had to make the decision. Am I going to step into what God has for me and experience flourishing and joy, which I have for these 15 years? Or am I going to keep making excuses? Let me ask you, 
Are you paralyzed by your excuses or are you mobilized by God's reasons? Are you paralyzed by your excuses or are you mobilized by God's reasons? Two verses many of you are familiar with, some of you maybe have never heard. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I think these verses kind of summarize this message, but they also speak to the next six weeks where we're going to deal with the other obstacles that Moses and the nation of Israel face as they move from slavery in Egypt to the promised land over those 40 years. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So you trust God completely. You step out and trust him. And lean not on your own understanding. Don't come up with a bunch of excuses. In all your ways, to him. Obey him like Moses did. He took that stick. He went to the Israelites. He went to Pharaoh. And what will happen? He will make your paths straight. Even with the obstacles. Making your path straight in the ancient world meant it was going to be a pleasurable journey. If you want a pleasurable journey... Drop the excuses. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In everything you do, acknowledge God is a part of it. Your life, your family, your finances, that God is a part of it. You wouldn't have any of that without him. And then he, when you're excuse-free and you step out in obedience and submit to him, he will make your path straight. Father, I pray for all of us in this room, it's easy to throw up excuses. It's easy for us to even get to the place where we know we're starting to push it a little and be like Moses and say, pardon your servant, Lord. Father, I hope the folks who are here have opened their hearts to what your spirit had to say to them today. I know you've been working on me this week in preparation. May we be a people, may we be a church where we drop the excuses and we take the step you call us to take, whatever that means for each of us, wherever you're nudging us and whispering to us and calling us. Thank you, Father, that you let us peer into this conversation between you and Moses. We have a lot to learn from his journey and the obstacles he faced. Help us to begin with just setting aside the excuses we give, taking that next step that you've been nudging us to and calling us to, or that you'll nudge us to, or you will call us to. We pray so that we can flourish. You can receive the glory. It'll be, the, it'll be good for others. It'll be good for us. Be glorified in and through us in our journey with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there's no excuse if you're new to Calvary today or in the last few weeks or the last few months. When you want to get to know more about us, our Welcome to Calvary reception will be over there. I'll be there after the service, can greet you there. I won't be in my normal spot. Pastor Steve Day will be there to pray with you if you have a need or have some questions. Uh, this uh, reception over there is for new folks only, so we try to isolate me and some others over there so we can greet those folks. Let's stand together and be reminded that in the end, in our walk with Jesus, it's all based on him, it's all with him, and it's all for him. It's Christ alone.